0: You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Holy Cross Day. We're going to learn more about that with Chaplain Denzer in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu.
1: Live Uncommon.
0: Joining us today, the Reverend Sean Denzer. He's LCMS Director of Worship and Chaplain for us here at the LCMS International Center in St. Louis. A blessed Holy Cross Day to you, Pastor.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Holy Cross Day, what is it?
1: complicated. Okay. So, this feast is a little strange, frankly. I'll just say that up front. For us Lutherans to be celebrating, it's something that's brought back with the Lutheran service book in particular, but it's one that was had a long history in the church, and Luther himself, I know, commented on it. I tried to find that comment and couldn't find it in my volumes today, but yeah, Luther said, skip this one. We don't need it. And the reason is this feast is connected not originally to the idea of the cross to the meaning of the cross to the significance of what jesus has done on the cross but to the thing itself to the relics of the holy cross that were found and then that were recovered after they were lost for a long time and then that were uh, displayed and uh, raised up again exalted and that's the origin of today's feast um briefly, to try and cover it, the tradition is that St. Helena, who was the mother of Constantine, found the cross on a pilgrimage she made. And it's quite a fantastical, legendary story. They find three crosses on the mountain that's supposed to be Golgotha, of course, and so one for each guy. And there's a miracle. One of the crosses is able to heal somebody. So, you know, that's the one that belongs to Jesus. And then it's... uh, Chopped up, of course, so that they can send it all over the place. But the big piece remains there. But through various troubles, it gets lost. Parts of it gets found. This city has control of it for a while. It gets moved, eventually gets stolen in some of the Islamic conquests. And around the 600s, it gets recovered, actually, a large piece of it from Persia and it's thought that this day September 14 is because of that but it also probably goes back to that original so-called finding of the true cross in the 300s because the 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 basilica that was built there the one that's still there on the church of the holy sepulcher was finished on the 13th and everything would have been open on the 14th. So that's probably where this feast, the feast of the exaltation of the true cross comes from. There's also a feast of the invention, not the creation of the thing, but the finding of it that was connected with May 3rd, supposedly the day that Helena actually did find it. But immediately you see how we Lutherans have some troubles with this. One, I think we're we're really skeptical as 21st century persons, just to look at you know, okay, relics in general. Yes, yeah, sure, this is this piece of wood really is that cross. As Lutherans, we're skeptical because we know the abuses that have happened from relics. It, it might be helpful just to think of what was it in the 300s and so on that that gave people an interest in finding all these items or finding all these places, uh, most of which are still the locations in the Holy Land that are associated with the events of Jesus' life, including the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, which, as I heard uh, in some recent excavations and some opening up of it when they did some renovation, there's a lot of evidence and dating to suggest it might actually be the real location and uh, the mm-hmm. real tomb in which Jesus was laid. And he's not there for the record.
0: Thanks for oh. clarifying that.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so how how do, how do we deal with this, right? There's obviously some fanciful things that we're skeptical of. And the whole idea of finding a thing to cherish and to, and to attribute holy powers to or even miracles is something very problematic for us as Lutherans. We know that God works through his word. But we have no promise that he's going to leave pieces of his cross around. And as Luther was already joking about back in the 1600s or 16th century, there are more pieces of the true cross to build a lot more Crosses, if than the, than just one, if you were to put them all together, there are more nails of the true cross than you would need to shoe all the horses in town," he said. So, ugh, what do we do with all of this? I, I think we can recognize one thing about those people who were looking for these things. One, they were a lot closer to the time than we are, and memories, especially memories of your community and what had gone on in them, were a lot deeper than they are now. That's what maybe gives some of our archaeologists hope that these places are not just randomly chosen or made up entirely, but in fact, do have connection to the real history of those regions the idea the the desire to want to find artifacts that help to bolster our faith there's nothing wrong with that in fact it in a way confesses something that we are absolutely in agreement with these are true happenings christ was really crucified on a piece of wood so it's at least reasonable that that piece of wood could be found whether it has or not we might not be as certain um But then when it goes into the the matter of attributing special powers or holiness, certainly any kind of forgiveness or transmuting of years in purgatory to these items, no, uh, we can't go along with that. If we want to have the blessings of Christ and his cross— we don't have to go to the thing itself, wherever that may be, but we get to go to his word. We get to go to his sacraments, which deliver that forgiveness to us all the time, right where we are. The Lord has not told us to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem or anywhere else. He tells us to go to the altar. He tells us to go to the baptismal font. He tells us to look in his word. And if we abide in his word, we're truly his disciples. We have the forgiveness of sins and free life. We have his promises and his word is the thing that will endure forever. So how do we, how do we celebrate this then in the Lutheran church, knowing all of this history? And and as you said, it's kind of a, a weird thing for us. How do we then kind of take all of that tradition and, and all of those things from the ancient church into our Lutheran church and, and celebrate it in a Lutheran way? It's a good question. You know, all that history lesson is is fine, and maybe a pastor who's preaching on this text and on this day might want to give a little historical background. At the same time, we, we risk falling into the trap that all of these saint days, good or bad in their origins, uh, they fell into that trap all throughout the Middle Ages that the legends, the great stories, the fanciful histories of these things were told in great detail from the pulpit. But not much was told about the texts of scripture that were read that day, or the reason why we, how we ought to rightly honor the saints or not honor the saints. In this case, it's unique since we're talking about an object and we're talking about an event connected with that object, the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is something we talk about almost all the time as Christians. so I think I think as Lutherans we're taking a second a second bite at the apple and and bringing back holy cross day. We're going to want to watch out for a love of relics. We're going to want to watch out for the idea that we need to find mystical powerful items or talismans that we would hold on to and maybe there's a place to even warn against the wearing of crosses the building of of crucifixes to hang on our wall that of course by no means are we idolaters worshiping these things nor do we think that god loves us more if we have a cross around our neck than if we don't faith comes by hearing his word about christ but, but that right there is how we would observe this day properly, is to talk about the words of scripture, to hear the, in fact, I think the gospel reading appointed for the day is the Greeks who come to the disciples and say, sir, we would see Jesus. Oh, well, how perfect. If we're going to talk then about the cross, we're going to talk about it as an occasion to speak about what Jesus has done by it. And I think if as we look at the uh, vast treasures of resources we have from the church of previous ages, much of which we would be glad to retain, in fact, because there's nothing false or strange about them, as well as the new things that we might add, like our sermons each year, we can have this kind of twin focus. One. Obviously, on what Christ has accomplished through the cross, the most important thing. But for that reason, what this symbol, even what just the idea of the cross or what any particular cross that we might have on our walls, in our churches, on our necks, uh, indicates, it, it, it's a reminder, it's a symbol symbol. Not of what it used to be, not of death and uh, dying and, and horrible shame, but for us, it's become the most beautiful symbol possible, the the flag, really, of our church. We don't need any other flags. We have Christ's cross, the picture that reminds us of what our Savior has accomplished by it, our Savior who has risen from the dead. So, since
0: it falls on September 14th, this year, it's on a Tuesday, um, I gather then we don't necessarily don't always have like a specific Sunday dedicated to Holy Cross Day. I guess I suppose some congregations may choose to observe it on Sunday closest to the 14th. But this is probably one of those lesser known feasts, I guess. huh?
1: Yeah, I think a couple of years ago it did fall on a Sunday. And, and this might be one that you consider doing on a Sunday. But yeah, th- these are the feasts that would happen all throughout the week. And not every church has services during the week. But if you're if your church is one that has one in the week, this is a great reason to do it. Frankly, I think it would be good for us to get back in the idea uh, that these feasts originally had for us, which is we should let the words and events of Scripture, even the history of the church to some degree, determine our gathering. It's not just when we feel like gathering for church or when it's convenient for us, but maybe even there's a reason to let the church here. Guide our life and and that's certainly the idea with Holy Cross Day, maybe a little more minutiae than we're used to that we'd get down to the finding of you know one legend from an emperor in three hundred, and at this point that's not the reason we'd celebrate it but uh but the idea to let to take a day and set it aside and say let's let's deal with this this object which is so central to our faith we just say it casually to our children's that our children that Jesus died on the, on a cross and that's the gospel right and yet for so many people they don't even know what a cross is so it's probably worth it for us to explain in detail what it is what it's history why it's so surprising that it would be important to a religion and why for us we love this image because Christ by this death took our shame onto Himself to give us His righteousness and life. We are learning about Holy Cross Day
0: with the Reverend Sean Denzer. He's LCMS Director of Worship and Chaplain for the LCMS International Center. We'll continue our conversation right here on the Coffee Hour in just a moment. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: We're learning about Holy Cross Day, that's observed on September 14th today, with the Reverend Sean Denzer, LCMS Director of Worship and Chaplain for the LCMS International Center. Now, we've talked about the history and some of the things, other parts that that make up or how we observe Holy Cross Day and of course the the i think the more popular thing on the coffee hour would be hymns we yes. we like to talk about hymns here on the coffee <laughs> hour so where do you want to go with hymnody for holy cross day pastor
1: i i want to approach it through a couple uh parts of the liturgy a couple sayings of fathers and then get to this one great hymn that i think everybody should know and we do have at least a good chunk of it in our hymnal which is great so we we spoke about the occasion for this feast, the occasion for the hymn we're about to look at even, is the finding or the moving of a piece of the true cross, a relic. And we're not even sure if that's verifiable, whether it's true. But I think it's fascinating to see how the church in its liturgy and its worship, in the hymns and poetry that were composed for these events, they got it right. They didn't focus on the thing, on on some holy item. They focus on what God had done and the promises that are in the word. A- and from that you know, maybe this becomes a focal point. I suppose if we had a true and verifiable piece of the cross, we'd be proud to have it and, and we'd love to keep it and even use it as an item of devotion, but, but our devotion wouldn't be to the thing itself. It would be to the God who redeemed us and, and to the promises that his word gives us because of what he accomplished at his cross. So think about in the chief service on Good Friday, there's a moment where in a lot of churches they'll bring out their best cross, maybe their processional cross, cross or one they took from the altar on Thursday. And they'll say, behold, the life-giving cross on which was hung the salvation of the world. And the response is great because it's not, yeah, let's worship that piece of wood or that piece of metal. It's, Oh, come, let us worship him, right? Mm -hmm. The salvation, Jesus, who was hung on that cross. And this is just a depiction of it, right? Similarly, in the 1100s, Anselm of Canterbury has this great sermon, this great saying, and and I kind of riffed on it uh, on the last Good Friday sermon I preached, where he says, an extended address to the cross. We acknowledge you, O cross, but not... Because how cruel you are, not because of the reasons that all the other people mocked. You know, he, he addresses this hard part of the cross is, a, is an instrument of death. So it is surprising that that would be our focal point in any way. But, but the reason is because of what Christ has done on it. Christ has, in fact, bent its wood, which is, has such an evil purpose, for the highest possible purpose. And that is the theme that a Fortunatus, a great Latin hymn composer, took up when he wrote two hymns for an occasion where a piece, a supposed piece of the true cross, was moved in his town. One of them is, has been a hymnal for a while. That's the Royal Banner's Forward Go, beautiful hymn. Mm-hmm. But also this one, uh, which is number 454 in Lutheran service book, Sing My Tongue, the Glorious Battle. I'd like to just take a moment to go through it because I think it's it's very interesting how it ties together a whole bunch of legends, again, which I'm not sure we'd, we'd want to give the the weight of fact and truth, but it ties them together with a focus on what God has accomplished for us by wood, perhaps by the same tree as the legend goes, but in particular by the cross of Jesus Christ, which is the one certain thing for us. Shall we dig into the hymn then? Let's do it, and and let's start with what's the second-to-last stanza in our hymnal, but originally was like an antiphon that was sung all the way. And uh, maybe you'll cut this out, but I'm going to sing it in the original tune anyway. Faithful cross above all other, one and only noble tree, none in foliage, none in blossom, none in fruit thy peer may be. Sweet the wood, and sweet thee, and thy weight most sweet is he. So it's it's poetic. It's an, we're talking to the cross, which, frankly, we wouldn't do in a true sense, but in a poetic sense, this is totally appropriate to address this piece of wood and say, "This is a tree that's different from all others." Right? It's prettier. Well, I don't know if that's really true. <laughs> But, it's, but it says, what makes it so pretty? Well, the sweetest thing is the one who hung, who was hanged on this tree, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the fruit that the limbs of the tree are bearing, so to speak. I think you can see how beautiful this poetic idea is. And then it breaks into the hymn as we have it, sing my tongue of a glorious battle. What kind of fray was this? This was a fray where death brought life instead. The Earth's Redeemer won the day, even as he was killed on this cross, and and now this is this is a trophy for us, right? You can imagine how, in its original singing, maybe this was talking about. Well, if we've got the real piece of the cross, this is a trophy for us. It's it's not a miserable thing, but but even for us, the, the image of the cross is beautiful. Then it goes all the way back to Genesis, our first parents. This is something that's taken up in a, in a newer hymn. The tree of life takes up this very same idea that that. It was a tree by which our first parents were brought into sin through the devil, right? He he got them to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And from that came sin into the world, right? The Lord, though, laid a plan of salvation even from that day. That he was going to crush the serpent's head, and, and we know this has happened now. When Christ's heel was wounded, among along with his hands and side on the cross, and yet the devil was defeated by that. Right, talks about this plan of salvation that the Lord had laid out. It even talks about the the flood being rescued. Right, that Noah's Ark. There's, I, I should say this. There's an old legend that. A single piece of wood was used for all of the things you know that a piece of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was buried, and then Noah used that to build at least one you know side of the ark and you know think of any time woods used in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant too, that probably was a piece of that same wood, and then a long time later the Romans dig that piece of wood up and start using it for crosses right and then you get jesus' cross well that's a little fanciful, but I mean it's a beautiful idea that's trying to express. The absolute truth of that Genesis 3.15 passage that the Lord established right there in the garden after this, through through the tree, the serpent deceived Adam and Eve and brought them into sin, that he's already got this plan of salvation that's going to crush the devil. And uh, so even if it's not a a factual reality, is a beautiful image portraying poetically how the Lord has had this great plan of salvation from the beginning to rescue us by means of a tree, right? In the narrow manger lying, wept the infant in the night when his virgin mother Mary wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And God's hands and feet and members she tied up, right? Well, think about those hands and feet that are now going to be pierced by the cross, Uh, and, and then we go on to, to what we know very well, that the Lord went forth boldly. You, you can hear both in our tune and in the original tune how this poem is a, is a martial poem, that we're marching into battle, except this is Jesus marching into battle at the cross to rescue us. And one stanza that's missing that I think I'll I'll read to us. We don't have it in our hymnal, but it's a wonderful, again, expression of the uh, the meaning of the cross for us, which is why we would dare to observe Holy Cross Day, despite all of its strange legends from the past. There the nails and spear he suffers, vinegar and gall and reed. From his sacred body pierced, blood and water both proceed. Earth and... Stars and sky and ocean by that flood from sin are freed. So the whole world has been freed by, by what the cross has accomplished, by what Jesus through that cross has done for us in his death that atones for our sins. So we take a moment to uh, acknowledge the cross as a, as a beautiful picture for us, but again, all because of the one who ha- was who hanged on it and who accomplished our salvation, the Son of God, Jesus Christ.
0: I'm still caught on the tune that you just chanted for us, that you just sung for us a little bit ago. You shared that that was the original tune for this hymn. Is that right?
1: As far as we know, it certainly goes back to the Middle Ages, and I think it it's likely that it went back to Fortunatus in five seventy-ish, something like that.
0: How many hymns do you have the original tune committed to memory for? Like, you just you're just saying that
1: just. Oh, you had notes. I got it right in front of me. You but. had notes in front of you. Okay. <laughs> so, but so, so this hymn is actually used. It could be sung, definitely. It's sing My Tongue out of our hymnal in 454 for Holy Cross Day. I I'd, I'd definitely want to sing it. But it's appointed in the Good Friday liturgy right after the reproaches. These are difficult words to hear. It's quotes from the Old Testament, actually, but it's put kind of in the voice of Jesus as if you were rebuking us from the cross. And they all amount to this. Um, I've given you everything. I've, I've poured my life out for your salvation. In return, you've given me your sin. And Really, it has the great exchange in it, even though this is, far predates Luther or his expression of the free, of the great exchange that Christ takes our sins and gives us his grace and righteousness. Um, some people are taken aback by that. They, they don't like the idea that Jesus would speak the law to us, that he'd accuse us of sin, that he'd say, in effect, I've done great things for you, and you've, in fact, only given me sins back. That They don't like that idea. And they, they think it would be a strange way to end the service. I, I definitely agree. But... It, you're not supposed to end the service with that. You're supposed to end the service with perhaps even Holy Communion, but absolutely with this hymn at the very least, so that you would sing about the great accomplished salvation that Christ has done by this, that, that this cross from which Christ, I suppose, could have you know rebuked us only and said, uh, now you deserve to die. He actually said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he was glad to shed his blood to redeem us and this hymn then captures that and and gives the cross to us as a as a victory sign again a trophy even that we would lift high right not our accomplishments our trophy but but his trophy the, his accomplishments and this cross uh save us and the whole world we have oh i
0: don't know a minute or two left any other parts of the the service the lectionary propers prayers
1: things to highlight as we celebrate holy cross day today so so the the readings are are wonderful for this day too the the Old Testament is numbers with the uh, serpent raised up on the pole which of course Jesus cites as being a foreshadowing of himself that the Son mm-hmm. of man must be lifted up. Uh, And then we get John 3.16, you know that. And the epistle is an obvious one too, that Christ's cross is the, the wisdom of God. It makes foolish all of our wisdom in this world. The preaching of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. And as I mentioned already, John 12, where these Greeks, Gentile, pagans come and say they want to see Jesus, which is kind of a strange request, I suppose. And when they come to Jesus, Jesus gives an even stranger answer because he doesn't actually he doesn't actually say, okay, here I am. You want to ask me some questions or something? He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And he jumps into what I just mentioned, that he needs to be lifted up so that all men can be drawn to himself. And the point is, if you want to see Jesus, the first place to look is at this cross, at the place where God is hanging dead and bleeding. Because that's where Jesus is is, is here to be glorified for us, that he's here to do what he came to do, to be that uh, grain of wheat that falls into the earth and dies uh, so that he may rise and bring with him us, bring with him all those who fall asleep, who trust in him.
0: Holy Cross Day. The Reverend Sean Denzer, LCMS Director of Worship and Chaplain for the LCMS International Center. Chaplain Denzer, thanks so much for enlightening us and also chanting a little for us today (laughs) for this Blessed Holy Cross Day. Thank you so much. Peace be with you. And also with you. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golsa.